I'm Stuart Vonney. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, September 29th, 2020. I'm Trey Yingst. Opioid abuse is on the rise as the COVID-19 outbreak brings new problems for individuals around the world. Patients that are using opioids, it it can suppress their immune system. It can uh, suppress their ability to uh, function day in and day out in a a safe and coherent manner. Those are all patients that are at risk for the COVID-19 virus because their immune system is not up up to speed. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. The stress of job loss, lockdowns, and medical concerns can all be contributing factors to the abuse of opioids. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Dr. Sean McMillan about opioid abuse amid the pandemic. Starting first in Israel, where a countrywide lockdown is underway. At least two hospitals in Jerusalem have reached capacity to treat coronavirus patients. Health Minister Yuli Edelstein said today the lockdown will likely extend beyond the scheduled end date of October 10th. Now to Argentina, where total cases surpass 700,000 people infected. The seven-day rolling average for daily cases in Argentina is more than 11,000, meaning the country is nowhere near returning to normal life. Mother Jones Magazine called the situation there a catastrophe. Finally, in the United States, President Trump is ramping up COVID-19 testing. Yesterday, from the Rose Garden, the president announced the federal government is distributing 150 million rapid coronavirus tests. Many will go to schools and nursing homes to help protect the vulnerable people within the population. As the pandemic rages on, another health crisis is being exacerbated by the outbreak. So the opioid uh, epidemic is is really one of the biggest health crises our generation is facing right now. This is orthopedic specialist Dr. Sean McMillan. Uh, you know, every, every day there's over 100 people that pass away in the U.S. Uh, from opioid abuse and, and overdose. So it's something that we as physicians are really taking personal to make sure that we're regulating and protecting our patients and making sure that while narcotics may be required for some procedures, we're not abusing them and putting patients at risk. Absolutely. And, and as it relates to coronavirus, the, the stresses of, of the current time that people are facing, I mean, how have we seen this change the conversation on opioids and and how people are interacting with these drugs? It's become multifactorial and it's for a couple reasons. Certainly there are some patients out there that are in pain uh, that simply now as the country reopens, uh, they need to work. Uh, They need to put food on their table. They don't have time off to maybe get an injury taken care of. So maybe they're masking their pain or trying to decrease their pain with opioids. Uh, and there's other patients that maybe have access to opioids that may be abusing them or have underlying uh, predisposition to abuse them. And they're facing th- things such as fear, loneliness, anxiety. And as a way to help treat or cope with some of those, they're turning towards opioids uh, in a way that's not safe and putting themselves at risk. When you're looking at patients who might need opioids and receive a legitimate prescription, but say, rightfully so, that they're concerned this could be an addicting path for them. What alternatives are out there and what resources can people look to when they're trying to deal with pain management or some of these other issues like loneliness or sadness that they're facing as a result maybe of an injury? So we've really taken um, initiative to educate our patients about the risks of opioids, uh, the risk of addiction, and the alternatives that they have. And there's a, uh, a, a multitude of non-opioid options that are available to patients, whether it's treatments to numb nerves 
uh, to decrease pain around joints such as knees and shoulders, uh, whether it's multimodal medications that are non-narcotic uh, in the form of Tylenols, Motrins, but using them synergistically to help decrease the pain, as well as other modalities uh, such as therapy and, and treatments that will provide them uh, alternatives to, to the use of opioids. That said, we also explain to the patients that you know sometimes opioids are required, and, and if so, we, we go out of our way to monitor them. So we use prescription monitoring systems uh, in the state to make sure that when a patient is given a prescription, they're not getting prescriptions from other physicians. Uh, if a patient calls for a refill, we make sure that those prescriptions were actually used and used appropriately. Uh, and we educate the patients each time they call for a, a refill uh, about the risk of uh, being on these long-term and offer alternatives. So that way the patients know that one, we're, we're in their corner, we wanna take care of them, but two, they have alternatives because many patients just don't understand that there's other meds out there besides the standard opioids. In your line of work, what are the more common injuries and, and conditions that people have where they are prescribed opioids? And are these normally short-term or long-term conditions? It's a great question. So I, I'm an orthopedic sports medicine specialist. Uh, oftentimes, I'll prescribe an opioid for a patient post-surgery, uh, say for a knee replacement or for an ACL surgery. We've really gone away from using opioids pre-surgical, um, if at all possible. Uh, the exception of that may be if someone fractures their wrist or, or an ankle and they require uh, you know, larger pain meds. Uh, but, but those are really the things that we do. And even the time of the surgery, we, we have a very open and honest discussion with the patient about the risk of opioids and, and the alternatives. And we really strive to offer what's called opioid sparing surgery, which is surgeries that re require little to no opioids post-procedure. And the way we're able to accomplish this is using things with our anesthesiologists to numb the nerves longer around the shoulder or the affected uh, joint, uh, say the knee or the ankle. So that way the pain is maybe gone for three or four days post-surgery, uh, giving them treatments before, say, a knee replacement two weeks out that will help decrease pain around the knee joint. Um, so that way post-surgery they can get up and moving quicker. So there's different things that we have available now in 2020 that weren't there even, say, four or five years ago that allow us to offer opioid-sparing options. And as someone who takes care of many young athletes, I strive to make sure that, if at all possible, we can send home a 17-year-old after an ACL without opioids at all. You note how the way we're practicing medicine as really an international community is changing. I want to talk a little bit about AI technology and how amid this pandemic that's going on, it has changed the way you do your job and doctors around the world treat patients. So from, from my standpoint, uh, the pandemic, is, while it was obviously something we'd never want to encounter, it's opened many avenues up for us in the form of using AI technology to better have accountability for our prescribing habits, to hold our patients more accountable, and to offer alternatives, whether it's telehealth services or, or simply you know, bookkeeping and making sure that our patients are getting the right medications. And we're able to share and disseminate information across, uh, you know, across uh, social media, across um, uh, HIPAA-compliant platforms such as um, Avalon AI and, and other modalities to make sure that we're not abusing opioids. But it's also a, a teaching point. So this community that AI is now opening up to us will allow surgeons from across the country and across the world to interact with one another. So that way we can share our ideas and share our experiences about how we're managing our opioid epidemic in our own communities. So that way maybe I can learn from a physician out in say Phoenix and the Phoenix surgeon can learn from a physician up in Seattle. And it gives us a platform to reach each other like we never have before. 
You've been listening to orthopedic specialist, Dr. Sean McMillan. We'll be right back. I imagine that's a really critical piece of being a doctor right now is having the ability to communicate with other doctors, especially because we're dealing with COVID-19, a virus and a disease that the world is unfamiliar with. Each day, we're learning something new about this virus and the way that it interacts with the human body and also the way in which people can be more susceptible. I want to talk about opioid abuse and those who may abuse opioids, how this puts them at risk when it comes to coronavirus. Do we know if there's any correlation between abusing opioids and ability to get sick with a disease like COVID-19? So we've been asked this a couple times, and, and while there's nothing concrete that, that I can point to in, in the literature, I can tell you it stands to reason patients that are suffering, that, that are in pain, patients that are using opioids, it, it can suppress their immune system. It can uh, suppress their ability to uh, function day in and day out in a, in a safe and coherent manner. So maybe they're taking more risks. And oftentimes these patients have other comorbidities that maybe are, are, are behind the source of their need for the opioids in the first place. People with autoimmune disorders, people with uh, chronic diabetes uh, and neuro neuropathic pain. Those are all patients that are at risk for the COVID-19 uh, virus because their immune system is not up to up to speed as, say, nor a normal, healthy 18 or 19-year-old individual. So, again, we encourage our patients, if you don't need uh, to be on the opioids, let's try to avoid it so that way we can uh, obviate the need uh, to put them at risk uh, for a potential exposure to COVID-19. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point about the immune system and how people may have been predisposed to other conditions that could make it easier for them to get sick. I guess, broadly speaking, could you talk about the importance of staying active and keeping the immune system healthy during this time? I imagine it's a conversation that you have with a lot of patients who are looking to get back on their feet, get out there and get active again. And I'm just wondering how that's playing into this year in particular. So a couple things. Uh, one, from a mental health side, I think it's important because we're not interacting the way we used to, uh, to be physically active, to, to burn off excess uh, steam and, and energy uh, and, and maybe frustrations, uh, to be outside, whether it's a simple walk or doing something as little as 15 minutes of cardiovascular activity to get the heart pumping. That, that's important both mentally and physically. We want to make sure that we're keeping uh, cardiovascularly uh, in shape. If at all possible, we know that COVID-19 can affect both the lungs and, and the respiratory system, as well as the heart. So we want to make sure we're optimized there. And again, you talk about risk of uh, coming down uh, with uh, immune compromised states. Again, we want to make sure we avoid putting a patient who maybe is borderline diabetic into full-blown diabetes. And that can happen sometimes as simple as adding 10 or 15 pounds or unhealthy eating habits for a period of several months. So it's important to stay physically fit. It's important to keep your eye on, on your health. And as physicians, you know, we see patients that come in and if we're familiar with them, we may notice maybe they've added 10 or 15 pounds or maybe they're not looking as well as they were. So oftentimes they'll ask questions. Do you feel like you have less uh, uh, respiratory capacity to go up and down the stairs or walk a block and encourage them to be physically active because it's on us to not just treat maybe what they're there for, which is maybe an ankle injury, but also treat them as a person to keep them healthy. I really appreciate your insight on all of this. Orthopedic specialist, Dr. Sean McMillan. Dr. McMillan, thank you again for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.